We're continuing our journey along in this season of Chronicle, opening the doors to guests. These guests are bringing their pick of a European horror movie to discuss on these episodes for your listening pleasure. And we are honoured that we will be joined on this episode by a long-time colleague and collaborator of my main show, the podcast Under the Stairs. On this episode, you will hear the musings of the mighty Baz as he picks a movie which was the first-time watch for him and one that I hold in ridiculously high esteem. On this episode of Chronicle, we will be looking at the Dutch horror movie The Vanishing from 1988. You're listening to Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. Ignition, T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0, liftoff. Je m'appelle Raymond Lemorne. Je suis sociopathe et claustrophobe. Je n'ai jamais trompé ma femme. Ah. Gabi, le tire-bouchon, s'il te plaît, dans le tiroir. Ah ah Mais je m'empresse de vous dire que pour moi, le pire, ce n'est pas tué. Vous êtes un euh, menteur. Menteur Non, je ne le fais Non. Oui Et euh, je, je veux. Euh, 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 violé Saskia. Si elle est morte. Et si l'homme qui voulait savoir, c'était vous. And welcome back. So, this is Chronicle. This is season number four, episode number four. And yeah, you heard in the preamble there, we, we're gearing up for something very special. We're bringing over long time friend uber long time colleague of mine from the, the main feed show the podcast under the stairs making his debut on the the sister feed kind of feels like he's stepping out in the main feed but we'll let him off with that but joining me on chronicle is the phenomenally talented and extra funny the man the myth the legend the baz how's it going good evening duncan <laughs> and may i say what a pleasure it is to be here <laughs> Is this the real persona that no one gets to hear? That this is my intellectual film critic persona. There is, I, I am absolutely adamant. I will not mention buttholes during this <laughs> in 
entire review, my friend. No buttholes. Uh, like half, no, half no of the buttholes. people. No, no, no. Half I'm of the going people to... that I pulled over from the main feed to listen to this episode have just now hit stop. Yeah, they're they're all here for the butt stuff, and they ain't getting it. They ain't getting it. <laughs> oh man, I was so excited about this. Like, I, I put the call out, basically said anyone that has a particular European horror movie that they want to discuss, they can jump on. I posted this in our because we're not talking about butts, uh, our our black metal bum boys uh, <laughs> chat, which yourself, myself, and Scott and Liam from Scott and Liam versus Evil um, all post nonsense on. I posted it in there thinking Liam's probably going to swing in on this. Yeah. I reckon Scott might swing in on this, but the first person off the mark was yourself and you were like I want a bit of this action. And I was like, this is interesting because I, I genuinely didn't know where you were going to go with this. And then you suggested the original 1988 movie, The Vanishing. Um, the, the It's Danish, I think. Uh, the Danish movie and Dutch, 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 you're right, sorry, it's Dutch. Um, And I was taken a, not completely aback by that, because we've certainly spoken long enough about movies that, you know, it will have come up in conversation at one time or another. But I I, I do need to ask you at the front here, why this movie when you have, I know for a fact there will be hundreds of European horror movies that you will have heard of or been interested in checking out, what was it about The Vanishing that made you think, if not now, when? Um, a number of things, to be honest. Um, one, the the ending in this film <laughs> yeah. features something that I am morbidly terrified of, oh, yeah. which then, you know, everybody's interested in shit they don't like. It's that morbid, need to scratch the scab type mm-hmm. thing, you know? Um, I also think... I may have seen the the American remake of this a long time ago. Yeah, a lot of people if, have. If I didn't, then I certainly saw bits of it because I, I knew what was coming at the end of this. Yeah. Um, or I certainly knew the direction it was going in. Um, and I think way back in the early Baz V Horror days on the podcast Under the Stairs, I had mentioned the American one and I think it was you that told me, oh, that's a remake of like a, I think, I thought you'd said a French film at the time. Well, they primarily um, speak French in it, so. Yeah, but as, as and the- that kind of piqued my curiosity and one of the weird kind of ticks I developed over the seven or eight years that you and I have been doing this thing now is, it, and I'm a bit like that with my music, I, I like to see, know the original yep. and I can then compare the newer one to that kind of thing mm-hmm. and from what I could remember of the remake I thought you know what a, a fucking European slant and it'll take all of the kind of shininess out of it and all that mm-hmm. and it'll be grimy and just horrible yes and and that again was a niche I had to scratch <laughs> and and for quite a while I, I had been mooching about on eBay looking for copies of it and stuff like that and they're annoyingly pricey for a um, you know, for a film of this nature kind of thing, and I hadn't ever taken the plunge and bought it, and I thought, this is my excuse. Yeah, this is a, like, a, for those that don't know, um, this movie came out 1988 re, re, I was going to say relatively well, it's beyond relatively well received, it, it critically was very, very well received 
Mm-hmm. Um, it it got a bit of buzz about it. Um, did well at some award ceremonies. Um, and then the inevitable American remake came along in '93. Feels like a '93 movie. Um, and you know, replaced these lesser known stars with. Hollywood A-listers, the likes of uh, Kiefer Sutherland, uh, Jeff Bridges plays the, the you know the main, yeah the main guy in it, yeah. Um, I think Sandra Bullock's in it. I might have made that up. Um, right. I think Sandra Bullock's a love interest. You know the the new girlfriend because uh-huh. they take it in a different. They do. They take it in a different direction. I'm just clarifying just to make sure I get. Yes, yeah, Sandra Bullock. Um, so it's you know it's a different sort of movie and infamously uh they changed the ending (laughs) like just like flat out gave it a hollywood ending um and that kind of is it's only when you see the original and then you watch the american remake that you like i can see why people get a little bit phobic about remakes um because like the the for all intents and purposes, I personally feel as much as I enjoy Jeff Bridges' performance, as much as I like the Kiefer Sutherland, as much as I, you know, enjoy the the kind of back and forth, you you do essentially neuter one of the all time great endings in cinema. I like my personal opinion. I think the ending of this movie is like <laughs> absolutely horrific. Um, Stanley Kubrick, infamous filmmaker, you might know him. The man behind such great movies as A Clockwork Orange and Full Metal Jacket and The Shining, which a lot of people would argue is one of the greatest horror movies ever made. Um, I like, saw this movie apparently 10 times and like privately, this is back in the days before Instant Messenger, uh, privately called the director of this movie to tell him that he'd made the scariest movie he'd ever seen. Um, Seriously? Yeah, yeah, it was t- absolutely, I think he may have been... Uh, a little bit phobic like yourself about yeah. a particular part and what he applauded was the ending it's the mm. fact that like the you know he, he basically he'd stuck the landing uh, to this movie he didn't compromise uh, I had um, I had toyed with the idea of going back and watching the remake again after this kind of thing yeah, but I, mean, I, I a, have not it's I, I had planned to kind of do it in advance of this recording to then discuss yeah. it I thought no do you know what I'm going to actually give this the original a second watch yeah rather than try and track down the other one kind of thing I, I may go back and visit it at some it's, point it's, in the future, it's a but... fine fr- thriller like in a mm. world where this movie doesn't exist the the remake is a fine movie you know what I mean it's, it is it is okay um, and it has some yeah. great performances but in a world where this movie exists it's difficult, it really really is difficult not to be in a position where you are like instantly comparing it to a movie that doesn't have A-list Hollywood stars, doesn't really have much of a budget um, but has this incredibly weird story um, and you know like goes in the directions that it does the director here is George Sluzler uh, which I'm fairly sure is <laughs> well, not. This is going to be fun. <laughs> yes, this is going to be a lot of fun. This is I, I get the feeling this is why you picked this. Um, <laughs> it's based on the Golden Egg by Tim Crabby. <laughs> Once again, fairly sure that's not how you pronounce his name. Um, <laughs> and uh, in terms of the cast here, we're only really going to stick with our, our kind of main characters here. So Bernard Pierre Donadou um, is our kind of is our killer here, our main uh, antagonist, plays Raymond. Uh, Jean Bervut, 
maybe, uh, plays the main antagonist, a guy called Rex Hoffman, um, and his original girlfriend, the one that is The Vanishing, is mm-hmm. played by Johanna Ter Stieg, who plays Saskia. Uh, there are some other people in here, but they are really in very limited roles, so we're not going to spend too much time here. This is like the the ultimate game of cat and mouse. It's also at its core a movie that that does two things. Um, it kind of it kind of really is the curiosity kills the cat in cinema, literally, um, and it's also a little bit of the idea that obsession can destroy you like like not being able to let something go can be a cancer unto itself um mm-hmm. and the synopsis is listed on imdb it's not a particularly great one but it does cover the bases here it's rex and saskia a young couple in love are on vacation they stop at a busy service station and saskia is abducted after three years and no sign of Saskia, Rex begins receiving letters from the abductor. Which, I mean, in essence, is the movie, but if you read that synopsis, it would make you think that this movie is Rex's story, and it really isn't. It's mm-hmm. one of these bizarre movies where, like, the the antagonist like almost gets more time than the protagonist in this movie. Like, we get yeah. a lot of time with the villain and his yeah. his life it would be like watching silence of the lambs and spending three quarters of the movie with buffalo bill you know it's uh-huh. like very 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 strange how it how it tackles them so what we're going to do is i'll i'll basically take us through the movie here and um, baz has watched it twice we're going to have some conversations about this at the end and um, we're going to come down i think on some of the themes uh, broaden out the conversation a bit more um, and see where we end up with this one as the synopsis says, we are introduced very, very quickly to Rex and Saskia. Um, they are they are travelling on vacay, as the Americans call it. And um, at the start here, we, we basically have them kind of travelling through this long tunnel and conversations, um, a dreamlike conversation specifically from Saskia, which I mean are I mean they allude to the Golden Egg, which is the name of the book. Um, yeah, it's based on, but. We make a stop. They're very much in love, and the movie goes out its way to show you how how much they're very much in love. Um, and they stop at a rest stop. Uh, they're you know chilling out and all the rest. And ultimately, Saskia goes in to buy a coke and a beer because this is France, Baz, and you can do that. Yes. <laughs> different country, different time. Smoking the whole time. <laughs> yes. Looked amazing. Uh, she goes in to do that. And we get this from Rex's point of view, so we're outside with Rex. And a bit of time goes past, a little bit more time goes past, a suspicious amount of time goes past, and Rex goes into the convenience store that she walks into. Yeah, it's, it's almost a bit like um, a service station that you would get in this 100%, country. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. It's kind of bigger than a petrol station. Yeah. Um, they sell a lot of different things and yeah. he goes in there does a bit of shouting around for Saskia guess what Saskia's not there um, goes up to speak to the woman at the you know the checkout um, describes her this woman's like uh, maybe don't know shows her a picture like, yeah I saw her but she was up at the coffee machine and Rex is like 
No, she no, was no, she came in for something cold. <laughs> yeah, cold, not hot. Yeah, have you been outside? It's warm out there. And she's like, no, no, no. She couldn't possibly have changed her mind <laughs> there, Rexy boy. She's a woman. Women don't change their mind, Baz. Um, <laughs> this the, the kind of the stance we're taking. And um, she says, well, I think, well, she was up there talking to someone. He's like, well, who was she talking to? And she's like, 10,000 people come through. or so, I think she's 100,000 people, which is an exaggeration. No, I think it was 10,000, she said. A million people is what she says, Baz. A million <laughs> people come through this station every single day. It's like 10,000 people come through here. There's no way I can remember them all. Uh, but she was up the back. Um, he questions some more people, and he starts to get, like, broken stories of people that think they saw her leave, that think she was with a man when they're further questioned. Maybe she was herself. Maybe she got in a car. Maybe she didn't get in a car. They the timelines are quite confused as they're, well. Yeah, they're um, all over the place. And he starts getting these fractured stories, which will play an important part in, essentially, Rex's obsession with this. Yeah. Um, Rex is trying to relay the importance of this to, like, essentially anyone that'll listen to him, including the head of security at this particular uh, convenience store, and then, ultimately, the police... And they're, they're kind of, they're not as concerned as he's concerned, essentially. They're, they're not just, it's not on the level of humouring him, but they're like, we understand that. However, she is a grown adult. It was a public place. Um, maybe she just decided she didn't want to be with you anymore. Yeah, the, the, the kind of manager guy, he... He is quite sympathetic towards Rex. He says, yeah, you know, you're telling me you didn't have a fight where I believe you, mate, you know, but the yeah. police are not going to believe you. No. They're just going to assume the Perry's had a fight. She's fucked off to 100%. piss you off kind of thing. Yeah, you yeah. Know? and she'll come back and you just need to relax and these things work themselves out mm-hmm. and all the rest. And we, you know, we, we then, and this is like, one of the reasons I love this movie is we then take like a cut here. Mm-hmm. It's like that's the end of that story. So we've set up the abduction part of this story. We're, you know, that's the setup, and now we're going to do a bit of time traveling here in different yeah. points. I mean, and, there, there's three very distinct phases to yes. this film. Yes, um, yes, and as you say, that's pretty much the first one. In it. It, it, it's shorter than the rest. I think, in that it only takes about twenty minutes to yeah. get get us up to that point. And as you say, we then jump about in, in time a little bit um, yep. and it does for all obviously that it's a foreign language film so you need to pay attention anyway kind of thing um, it took me really till the second watch to just get because it's not like it just jumps forward in time Yes, it jumps forward in time and then it jumps back a bit and then it jumps forward and it fucks about all over the place kind of thing one thing I'd like to talk about just before we move on that I took from the that this sort of first act, if you like, mm-hmm. I immediately took a dislike to the character of Rex. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he's, as you say, he is, for want of a better term, the hero in this story, and that he's not the one who abducts the girl. Yep. Um, but he's an arsehole. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and I think, <laughs> I think the reason I gravitated to this one was it reminded me an awful lot of me <laughs> not that long ago um, before before I sought help for some of my personality quirks. Like how my wife is still with me. God only fucking knows. 
But um, there's a particular scene near the start where they break down in a tunnel that you mentioned. Yeah, yeah. Um, so their heap of shit little car runs out of gas in the middle of the tunnel, despite her having told them yes. she should get gas for this. Um, they're in a precarious position, obviously. They're in a blackout tunnel. There's, there's lorries flying up and all that kind of thing. They're in a very dangerous situation. She is very frightened by this. Yeah. She's panicking. She's trying to find a torch, and he just acts like an utter asshole and fucks off and leaves her. Yeah. Exactly the type of shit I would have pulled <laughs> not that long ago <laughs> until my eyes were open to my behaviour. <laughs> But what really got me was as he's as he walks out the tunnel and but you know they have a kind of argument and he storms off and walks out the tunnel. As he's walking out, though, she is crying out for him yep. not to leave her. Uh-huh. And there's this smile just kinda touches the corners of his mouth. Yeah. You know, he clearly it's like, yeah, I'm going to fucking teach you. You won't yep. do this again type yeah, yeah. thing. You know, like, oh, I fucking hate you. Well, it's like anyone, like, that's, like, it, it adds to the, it adds to that, well, maybe she just, maybe she did just fuck off. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'd, I'd like, like, everyone he speaks to as well in or around the, the kind of convenience store, he's, like, not abusive, but he's very aggressive with everyone. Yeah. So, you know, when it comes to that, well, you know, like if you speak to the police that way, police are not going. Police will not humour you at all. They'll just say, right, whatever. Uh, of course, we're looking into yeah. the matter. You know what I mean? But they're not gonna, and it does add to that. You know, like, and also, I, I like that it kind of, on some level, generally, and this has happened. In fact, there's a movie called Breakdown, um, which is a, a movie with uh, Kurt Russell actually that has this setup. Mm-hmm. Where the idea of someone breaking down and you you know the woman hitchhikes and she goes missing is basically see it's a kind of variation on the vanishing. Yeah. Um, but that would generally be the setup to the movie. Uh-huh. You know, like 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 he would go away when he comes back, she's not there. Yeah, which actually does happen. Yes. And and I remember kind of thinking, oh, I was sure she gets abducted at a petrol station oh. or something like that. Oh, this must be how it is in the original. But then, of course, as he drives out the tunnel, she's standing waiting at the other end for him. Kind she's of thing. Waiting, yeah. Uh, so the, um, the other yeah. thing that reverberated a lot with me was the <laughs> the I got a palpable kind of mounting sense of tension and panic. Yeah. As as you say, as he starts, first of all, where the hell is she's kicking about a bit? Starts looking for her. Yep. That gets more pronounced. Then he goes into the place and he's still kind of in control. And then time's ticking on it. And I relate very heavily to that. I mean, I've, I've seen on the one or two occasions my kids have kind of oh, gone it's, missing it's horrible, in like yeah. a department store. Yeah. And you keep your shit together for about 30 seconds. Yeah. And then you're just shouting their name and you don't give a fuck who's looking at you kind yeah. of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, and I have always... I, I'm not good at just waiting for something to play out. Yeah, I'm much better at controlling it nowadays. But previously, I would have been no, no. Everybody has to stop doing everything yeah. because this situation has to get sorted right this second. So all of you, you know, and Rex is very much like that. Yeah, um, as, as you say, even those 
people who are sympathetic towards his plight are, you know, they, they can see the extremity of his reaction. Like, mate, I know this is a big thing to you, but it's not going to happen as quick as yeah. you want it to kind of yeah, thing, yeah. you know? There's always um, so much yeah, people and I, can I, actually do. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can't totally. physically make someone materialise. And his, like... It's like you see that it's shot really, really, really well as well because yeah. the camera's like constantly moving with them. And I mean, like the best advice that they'll give you is to stay in the one location, the familiar location, ah. which like is the car, which he ultimately ends up writing a note telling her to stay at the car if he shows yeah, up. I'm, I'm looking for you. Yeah. Stay here. Yeah. Stay here so when I come back. Um, but yeah, like you get all that panic, you get all that, that kind of setup. And then what you think the logical next step would be to jump three years on and then, like, because the synopsis says three years later he starts receiving posts. So you think that's what's going to happen. And the movie, like, says, no, 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 no. Let's let's give you a little bit of context about this new character we're going to spend time with. And this is also kind of why I love this movie. I think the the way they profile and set up Raymond as a character is scarily realistic. Like, mm-hmm. like to the, the like to a level which actually the mind that comes up with this, granted he uses a lot of techniques in this movie, which we'll come back to, which are known serial killer setups. Um, yeah. By 88, they would have been known for, for, for quite a few of them and we'll, we'll, we'll tick them off. But, we we meet this guy who is a hundred percent meticulous and oh. is a ha- happily married, you know, good dad, great dad, two daughters that yeah. that adore him, and he is. We we join him as he's essentially arriving at his like their country home that he's doing up as his pet. Yeah, project. they have, they have just bought a very kind of ramshackle house out in the the french countryside kind of thing yeah um and as you say they're, they're doing it up almost as a holiday home type thing yeah and it kind of serves a twin purpose here um which i kind of once again when you break it down it's so fucking sinister it's unbelievable um but yeah so like we, we raymond is a a doting father um a school great, teacher yeah School teacher, great husband, very methodical. The things he does, yeah. he, he spent, you know, takes a bit of time, uh, plans out. You would, on some level, think quite a boring guy, right? Mm-hmm. Except you are gonna towards the end of this, you you hear how he's had a couple of dalliances with with fate mm-hmm. in his past, and how it's actually kind of shaped him. And actually, you realise that what he's doing here is a culmination of something that's always kind of been with him. He's always kind of been, not damaged, but there's always been a, a part of his personality. Which, Sociopathic. Yes, kind of 100%. Um, so one of the early indicators here is, and you don't quite get the full grasp of it until the end, where he's ha- he's getting his daughters to scream as loud as they can. <laughs> Which seems like a game at first until you realise he's kidnapped a girl and that's likely where she ended up and he just wants to make sure that if someone screams at the loudest possible volume they can, no one's going to hear it. Yeah, because um, he, he speaks to his neighbour. Yes. 
Um, and he says something along the lines of, did you happen to hear them the other day? We were driving up and I thought I heard screaming. And yeah. the neighbor's like, oh, I never heard a thing, mate. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And <laughs> you see, he's style. actually kind of used his daughters to affect this experiment. And interestingly, he is a science teacher, we find out later yes. on. So he has a very kind of analytical experimental thought process yeah he's, 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 which you he's, see all the way through as you say yeah a lot of the things that he does um it, it's just littered with that yeah he's, he's a he's a guy who really has thought of everything which is also kind of why the abduction itself at the end is is quite interesting because it's an act yeah. of chance as opposed to actually being the way he wanted it to go yeah um but we 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 see him set up his plan here, um, and his plan is ultimately he's gonna he's gonna strike up a conversation with a young lady. He's gonna get them to get into his car. He's mm-hmm. gonna chloroform them, um, yeah. and then we won't know what the next stage is. That's as far as we go. And we we basically watch him self medicate himself on chloroform and time himself to get the right dose for the right time that he's worked out from wherever he's going to be back to the, the and he's he's got this written down in his notebook and he's doing these time tests and time trials which once again adds to this idea that Raymond is a very meticulous yeah guy like we, yeah, we watch- as you say he, he's trying to calculate the dosage he needs to give them mm-hmm. to keep them unconscious in time for him to get back to this new house because yeah, he doesn't want them waking up in the car, obviously. Yeah, to enact the next the next phase of his plan. Um, what I like about this as well in this movie is it's, it has a very, very weird dark comedy streak to it as well. Specifically, it's all from the Raymond character because mm. like most of the villains that you see in movies, and we mentioned one earlier on, Buffalo Bill, um, yeah. like... These guys, when we meet them, they are the boogeymen, and the boogeymen don't make mistakes, mm-hmm. right? Raymond makes quite a few mistakes. In fact, Raymond yeah. makes more mistakes than you would generally see a killer make in a movie um, that wasn't wearing like a ghost face mask. Um, but that, to me, once again, one hundred percent humanizes them. That's what makes them actually really scary to me because. Yeah. And when you also see him learn from these mistakes. Every time. Every time. Yeah. He's, like, he's actively, he's learning on the job, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. if he works, this doesn't work, he will, he will, what, what bit didn't work, right? That That's the bit I need to work on. Um, he's very, he's, he's general, like, I will spark up conversation with someone is pretty shit to begin with. But he's, he's going to start to hone how he does that as it goes along. We're going to see it. Yeah, he, he measures his pulse rate. Constantly. And all that because he wants to be able to seem natural when he's uh, approaching them and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's just it's on a on a different level now. I, I did say we were going to mention different serial killers as we get through this. Ed Kemper, the co-ed killer, uh, mm-hmm. would pick up um, hitchhikers and had he basically had a, a a method that he would do where he would go out his way to look as harmless as possible even though he was like six foot nine he would go like these big big frame glasses and you know he would pretend to check his watch as he was picking up someone to make it look like oh do i have time to do this i'm in a Uh, bit of a rush here yeah yeah like he he would go out his way and he worked out overtime after picking up what he described as hundreds of hitchhikers before he murdered the first one 
he would do these trials essentially trial it trial it trial it until he got to the point that he felt he was comfortable and one of his techniques was putting the, a chapstick he would reach over he would say you've not closed your door right um, and he would he would palm a chapstick into the mechanism which would allow them to open the door so the handle so they couldn't actually open the door to get out so he basically uh. he, he would slide this this kind of chapstick in there so it wasn't him locking the door which would look suspicious but it would essentially have the same effect mm-hmm. and, but he'd done this hundreds of times so you know th- there's there's an idea of and his case is very well known by this point um you know there's an idea that raymond is doing the same sort of things he's playing it out over and over again he's rehearsing it over and over again because he wants it to go right he wants it to go because yeah. he understands you only get one shot at this mm-hmm. you fuck up and she escapes wife will leave you kids you'll never see again you will go to court you'll do some sort of prison time mm-hmm. you know you're not a teacher at the end of that yeah, you know yeah. like your life is ruined so it has to be right first time or not at all and uh, what i also like about this is like it's not unnoticed that he's spending a lot of time away from his family doing this so much so that his daughter the oldest daughter and then subsequently his wife both think he's having an affair yeah like now yeah. what i love about this is he 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 comes back with, you know, like, no, you know, I'm not having an affair and all the rest. And, like, it kind of feels on, on some level that it's almost expected. Like, he's a Frenchman. Yeah, and the the daughter is quite odd. She yeah. comes right out the blue, you know, do you have a mistress, Dad? Yeah. And, I mean, my God, if one of my kids said that, they'd be like, what if you don't what is that? Is it, that come from She you? says you're, you're, you know, you're of a certain age, you know. Yeah, it's, that's okay, is it not? Yeah. And he's like, oh, we, we need to talk about relationships. Yeah. Then. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, this is a conversation with the dinner table later on. But his wife asks him later on as well. And on some level, him seeing that he was seeing someone or something else is less of a crime than what it is he's actually fucking doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, but he, like, he, once again, he, he's he's a very convincing liar. And mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. I think you said it before. It's this, it's this idea of being sure that if you are lying your pulse doesn't go yeah. like you don't get the telltales that you don't look flushed you don't sweat all the rest so we get this we get this introduction to the raymond character and basically a setup of there's a guy trying to plan the ultimate crime here mm-hmm. right and and what that crime is going to be we know it'll involve saskia being abducted but we don't know what happened to Saskia, right? Yeah, yeah, there, there's no... And he, you know, you don't find out in, in terms of was she raped, mm-hmm. was she kept for weeks on end, you know what I mean? You, you don't kind of find out any detail apart from the one thing at the, at the very end of yeah. the movie. Yeah, and th- I once again, I love that aspect of it because it gives you, it gives you kind of the quasi setup. This is this is how he's gonna do it, mm. but it doesn't give you the payoff. Not at this point, anyway. Yeah, and, and obviously as well, it's what we've always said about horror films. You know what you make up in your head is a lot worse than anything they could have showed, particularly nineteen eighty eight. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Um, Infinitely worse. Like the, the thing about it is, even at this point, nineteen eighty eight, we are what 
Mindhunter came out two years before this, so Mindhunter is the not Mindhunter, Manhunter. Manhunter came out two years before this. Ah, uh, the original Hannibal yeah, Lecter uh, one. Yeah, Hannibal Lecter movie starring the the the, the great Brian Cox from Dundee as uh, Lecter with a K. Um, but you know, it had come out, and it's the first movie to really spark the idea of the serial killer on screen. Uh, Tom Dunan obviously playing the, the, the Tooth Fairy, but it's the one that kind of really solidifies that. And then after 86, we got a string of these. Like, it's no longer the Jason Voorhees and the Freddy Krueger that's hunting you. It's these, you know, pathological liars who are sociopaths that look like regular people, that hold down regular jobs, that have families. Yeah, there's no supernatural element to it 100%. at all. 100%. We strip yeah. that out and we lean in. Also, it removes it from the, like, serial killers in 70s movies are, like, they're hicks, hillbillies, you know, they're, they're these, like, or, like, I spit in your grave, they're these vagrants and, you yeah. know, miscreants and all the rest. This one here is... Is there anything more kind of middle class than a science teacher with a family with two kids and he's living the French dream and all the rest? It like it goes out its way. This movie goes out its way to like overtly humanize the killer as much yeah. as possible. We see like you see we see him having those interactions with his family, like the back and forth, and then those are juxtaposed in the next scene with him time trialing chloroform. <laughs> like it's just. It's so bizarre, and I I, 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 I love it. Um, I'll tell you who's not loving it, though, Maz, and it's our buddy Rex. He's not having a good time. No, no, we are three years on, and Rex is... He's moved on, finally. Uh, he has, yeah, and... I find that interesting as well, because it, it's three years. Yeah. Now, realistically, if you were to lose a partner... Mm-hmm. Three years isn't a particularly long time. No. To not, you know, but he's clearly dived back into another relationship, but it's not to say that relationship doesn't have its problems. No, I, think it's I fair get to say the feeling that Saskia has mentioned all the time. <laughs> like, yeah. Which is like, like, I, I feel so sorry for the, the, the new the new woman in his life because he is still putting up posters. He is still doing interviews. They watch a televised interview yeah. with him where he's still talking about his love for Saskia. And they're watching it together. I'm like, this is the most awkward thing ever. Yeah. And, and it's more so it's that he does not give a fuck about it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's... Like obviously, when I met my wife, I had a daughter from a previous relationship, kind of thing. Yep. So her mother was always kind of in the sidelines, if you like, just because my daughter was still young at the time, you know. Um, and I remember trying to kind of protect my, well, she was my wife at the time, you know, but try to protect her from all of that kind Aye. of stuff. Yep. You know, she knew it was there. Try to shield her from it as much as humanly possible. I think Rex don't give a shit. Do you know what I mean? Morning, we're off hunting my dead ex-girlfriend again. You know, jump in. You coming? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's the lack of empathy he has towards the person he is now in a relationship with. Do you know you what get, I mean? You also get the feeling that... This is, a, like, as, as fucked up as it sounds, this is a selfish cause. 
from his part. Uh-huh. Yes. Like you don't see Saskia's parents uh-huh. in this movie. You don't see them running the campaign three years on to mm-hmm. you know to try and find their daughter or anything. This is this is Rex's like selfish crusade on some level as to I can't believe someone would leave me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know yeah. I, mean? I I I physically can't believe that she would leave. Look look what she has here, and that is ultimately. Is ultimately what Raymond uses to to set up his master plan that we'll get to at the end of the movie. Yeah. He understands at every stage of this one, Rex is a guy that will not be able to cut his losses and say, "Right, we'll never know." Yeah, we'll and never- I mean, and we find out later on he's not even interested in revenge or justice no, 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 anymore. No, no. no he just that. wants to know. It's like you say, he cannot accept the fact that he doesn't know why yeah what's well, that um, that's that smile that you talked about when he yeah. leaves her helpless in the tunnel as he has power he has power in the yes. relationship um and yeah he, he can't he can't envisage anything to do with this interestingly enough we also see we see a, a conversation between raymond and a fellow professor as they're walking past one of the new posters put up <laughs> and um like raymond's like oh another uh, third year in a row this poster's up and this guy's like what and he's like we have literally had this conversation every year for the past three years and yeah. I guess alright do we because like from Raymond's point of view there's a curiosity there where he's like why you know why is this guy still so obsessed yeah, like, yeah why is he still pursuing this which affords him the opportunity to do there is a part of me that thinks if Rex didn't give a fuck right Rex had moved on like Raymond was a one and done you know what I mean and like mm. you get nothing in his personality at all that dictates that he is ever looking at any other woman for abduction you know what you I mean know, I, I wouldn't have agreed with that but now looking back at some of the things in the film I think you actually may be right because as you say that we get introduced to two events in his life yes. where as you say kind very of, prominent yeah fate if you like played a prominent role in a kind of pivotal event yes and there is a vast timeline in between that between and i suppose two, yeah. that is the the pure sociopathy yeah. of his situation he is fine yes but uh, so years don't like something will pop in his head well i'm gonna try this yeah i want to see how this feels yeah you know um which is very scary. Well, yeah, it's BTK. Like BTK yeah. killed for a period of what, like, like killed like nine people over what twenty years, and then just fucking stopped. Like flat out stopped. Green River Killer, you know, killed what fifty two people over three years, and then just fucking stopped. Mm-hmm. Like they just like I'm not interested in this anymore, and now I will go off and live my normal life. And there's something terrifying about that, you know what I mean? Like, it's not it's not what you expect. You usually expect them to make a mistake and to get caught. And that's, you know, how they, you know, something... something yeah, because it'll ramp up and ramp up and ramp keeps, up and it'll get more and it. more extreme. Yeah. Take more risks and eventually it'll lead to a mistake being made. The other thing about it is Raymond, unlike a lot of serial killers, male serial killers anyway, this isn't for sexual gratification 
You know what I mean? He doesn't to get to the best off, of our knowledge. Yeah, to the best of our knowledge. Yeah, like we, like we mentioned before, there's no indication that he raped her. <clears throat> that, and also on some level is like the fact he puts Rex through what he does later on would indicate. You know, he's he's going against what he would to kill someone else in the in a in the same manner purely because he can. It's a power that is purely power. It's purely, am I smart enough? Am I good enough to do this? And if I do this, it's that level of, and we'll, we'll see it in a, a, in a scene coming up here of, this is what instinct is telling me not to do. Mm-hmm. Society's telling me not to kill someone, right? Yes. Society's telling me not to jump off this balcony. It's telling me not to do this. My brain is telling me not to do this. But at the same time, if I wanted to do it, what would happen? You know what I mean? And that is essentially... I, I, I get the feeling that, like, th- this time is, uh, you know, uh, it feels like a one and done. I'm going to, like, I, I want to see if I can commit the perfect murder. And if I can, you know... Yay me! Let's have a party. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. But the 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 opportunities. Yeah, he has a strange conversation with his daughter. Yes. Um. Or, or rather, he has a a conversation with uh, Rex later on in the film. Mm-hmm. He refers to this thing with his daughter, um, where he saved a girl from drowning a little so this is the second event his first event in his life we're going to find that he's he had two pivotal moments in his life where he realises he's maybe not wired the same as everyone else yeah one of them's when he's a kid and he is uh, he's in, one would assume some small French town and they live on like the third floor or something and he's on the balcony and he's he's sitting overseeing the, the kind of courtyard and for whatever reason he decides to climb over the railing and he stands there for a good while and then he, he says that, you know, like his mind was telling him, you shouldn't jump, you shouldn't jump, but, you know, mm-hmm. something bad will happen if you jump. And then there was another part of his mind was like, well, but you could just jump if you wanted yeah, to. Yeah, but, but what if he did, though? Yeah. yeah. And so he does. And mm-hmm. you hear the, the after effect of that is, I think he says he loses a finger. Yeah, um, and he breaks a hip or Yeah, he like fucks like himself you know, up. But, yeah, he's pretty badly injured. But he, he did it anyway. And then, like you said, he does nothing else until he's married with two kids. And then you get the second event, which I'll let you uh, uh, enlighten the listeners on. Yeah, so he, him and his family are taking a photograph on a bridge and they see a, a small girl in trouble in a canal. Um, and he jumps in mm-hmm. uh, and saves her. And I will, I will admit, this is one of the parts I didn't really kind of understand because he then talks about pride yes. that his daughter had in him without a second thought he threw himself into the canal and you know, drags the wee girl out and saves her life kind of thing and somewhere in his head he manages it's like he has to balance it in some way by doing the most heinous thing ah, well, he, he has saved he can yeah he has saved a life that wouldn't have existed beyond the point of him helping so to balance mm. the scales he can remove a life yeah by his hands saving a life the balance of that is of the heinous nature in which he does it as you know as like that's of his design but um this idea and, of being a interestingly hero, yeah. yeah interestingly says to rex you know murdering somebody's not the worst thing i could think of though 
Mm. Which then leads us to, towards the end of the film. Just to take it back a little bit, actually, as we were talking there, um, I mentioned earlier on that he has this, the science teacher in him is this very kind of analytical, yeah. um, empirical kind of way of thinking. Yes. And I wonder if part of it was when he saw the reaction and the effect of his actions on Rex. Uh-huh. Did this kind of think, oh, that's interesting, you know? I and think and so. yeah. he was kind of then drawn to Rex, which ultimately leads him to making contact with them and so well, isn't on. That, that's what scientists do. Scientists yeah, exactly. do a test, they get a result, and if an unexpected is, result, and it leads them down another path. They have to go thing. down yeah. the next the next route. So, mm. um, other things that's probably worth noting is we get to see. Uh, Rex's, uh, not Rex's, uh, Raymond's many attempts um, at trying to set up the the perfect abduction, which is just a, a catalogue of like absolute errors. My favourite one of all of them, because there is humour in this, right? Uh, weird humour in this, but one of my favourite ones is where he like he does the Ted Bundy thing of wearing the cast. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, I need to lift this trailer up and all the rest. So he speaks to this woman. He's like, the trailer, I need to help it. And then the boyfriend shows up. And he's like, so what am I lifting here? And he's like, oh, this is too heavy. And the guy's just like, lifts it up straight away. And he's like that. Really? It's too heavy yeah. for you. Did you notice he actually lifted it with one finger? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't like, even use one hand. Yeah. Just literally one finger lifts it up. And then he kind of slaps him on the side of the bases. It's as if to say, I know what you're up to. Yeah. Fuck off, mate. Well, yeah. there's the bit where the he asks for directions of a woman earlier on, and the woman turns out to be a someone that knows him. Yes, and she like she thinks like very much like his daughter, very much like his wife. That he's he's cruising. He's for, cruising about for, yeah. to pick up a woman. Yeah, uh, and she's like that at the end. She's like, listen, if you want to pick up someone. If that's what you're here for, you want to pick up someone, you don't want the shame of like having a coffee with me. You don't do it here. You do it like a rest stop or something because there's plenty of women that go through there. You don't do it here. So she ultimately, once again, is that he tries something, it doesn't work, but his learning kind of curve from this one is, oh, actually, that's a great idea. I should be trying it at yeah. rest stops, which is what he duly does. We get a great bit coming up here so essentially Rex starts receiving these these postcards um, they really start kind of fucking with him uh, as they would um, and ultimately eventually as he is uh, he, he's told that he has to like the, the person that um, you know, sent these cards is going to meet him at a cafe and mm. he goes to this cafe and the person doesn't show up and he like this like haunts and torments Rex even more. And then as he's heading back to his car later on, Raymond just fucking shows up, right? Mm-hmm. So Raymond has travelled to the Netherlands. Holland. Yeah. Yeah. To, to essentially, you know, like <laughs> to confront him. And he's like, listen, I, w- I, I saw you there. I didn't come across and speak to you because you were speaking to someone else. And that mm-hmm. kind of, you know, I didn't want to really be seen or anything like that. And then we get, and this is not the best bit of the movie, Rex beats him up now I'm going to do it in quotation marks here because it's the like see if my woman had been stolen Baz like this guy wouldn't be fucking walking we've got a lot of uh, fake punches and fake slaps and it's not a great fight scene it's not it's not 
Um, but Raymond ultimately says to him, listen, and uh, this, is the, this is so fucked up. <laughs> when you get to the end of it, it's so fucked up. He's like, yeah, I, I will tell you what happened to her, but you have to go through what she went through. Yeah. You have to experience what she experienced so you can you can understand what happened to her. And of course, Rex is thinking the worst. And he's like, listen, no, you just have to go through it. And part of that is we need to go back to France. Mm-hmm. We need to go through what she went through. And in the car journey, this is where the conversations start coming up of, you know, what happened when he was a kid, uh, what happened when he was an adult. And then ultimately, what actually happened to Saskia. Now, what was really interesting about this one is Rex is to blame here on, for not the reason he thinks of, but we get this, we get this, once again, kind kind of funny, Raymond pretty much has his prey. He yes. has her all set up. She's in the car. He put, well, he's got the chloroform on the the hanky. Everything's ready. Wouldn't you know it? Gets a bit of the sniffles. Goes to blow his nose. Blows his nose into the fucking into the chloroform hanky. And then is like, oh shit, I need to go. Rushes his cell to the toilet. Woman's like, what the fuck's going on here? She leaves, and he's like. You can kind of see it. He's he's buying himself a coffee. He's kind of consigned himself to the fact, you know what? It's not happening today. Yeah. The game's a bogey. And Saskia shows up and Saskia's looking for change. And once again, this is not a... He doesn't, like, look at her straight away and go, aha, my next victim. He's very cordial to her. He's, you know, he's very much... Yeah, she approaches him. And this is the thing. Like, it's a, a sentence she mentions that you think like had Rex known this, this this should haunt him is that she goes she's not French mm-hmm. and her French is a bit rusty and she says that like Rex is basically like told her she should go out her way to speak to people in French mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is what she's doing she's been super friendly and she's practicing her French I love what her boyfriend told her to do and the more time she spends talking to her the more Raymond is like <laughs> this could work here kind of thing yeah. this might work and once again we mentioned it is this is by happenstance this is all by this is not his plan his plan mm-hmm. you know is the trailer on the back and you're going to help me and all the rest but ultimately what happens is pure opportunity and he can't get away from it and so he you know, it's also the, the first horror film I have seen that is actually about key things yes <laughs> yes, it's interesting. I said that, like, because his name is Raymond, so it's an R on the keyring, and that she recognises it. In, in the first act, there is yep. a kind of running gag about the minging keyring on his bunch of keys and yep. taking the keys to drive the car and all yep. that, and it seems kind of coincidental at the time. Yep. Then when she ends up meeting Raymond and having the conversations, and that he, because his name starts with the same initial. A and his daughter bought the key ring as well. He's daughter, the one that's, ba- yeah, the one that said have an affair. <laughs> she basically gives him, yeah, everything he needs to come up with his new plan, yeah, on the spot. Yep. I mean, he, he wasn't ready for any of this, and he is thinking on the hoof, yeah. But every time she could have possibly sidestepped this, she seems to step just deeper into it, yeah. Uh, unwittingly, it has yeah, to be and said. as like Raymond doesn't expect in this either. It's kind of once again, it reminds me. It reminds me of Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer's had a like a, a like an absolute fascination 
before he killed anyone with the idea of like picking up a hitchhiker uh, um, and basically yeah. getting back to the house and all the rest and his first kill was a hitchhiker that's that he, right, yeah. like not the one he wanted he'd stalked a different one and then one day he was just randomly driving home and as he was driving he passed a hitchhiker who came back to his house and ultimately ended up murdering his first kill um, but that was by chance the, the one that he'd set up to get was not the one that he actually got um, so she plays into this and ultimately she ends up in Raymond's car and Raymond uh, chloroforms and it's like it's you know you can see in her face she's like terrified yeah the, the scene where she is chloroformed is very well done I actually looked up the actress after my second watch there and she she has acted continuously yep up to, <clears throat> I think maybe her career sort of tailed off now yep um, but in fairness this was 1988 so I mean that's what 35 years ago oh god yeah um she is a very good actress, the girl, but you, there's, there's, you can see the panic in her face. You can see the sort of increasing intensity yep. as she's struggling just to get away. Um, and then it fades kind of thing as she starts to lose consciousness. And I mean, it's a brilliant scene and it's the... I had the usual, is this a horror film type thing going on uh-huh. in my head at points? And the, <clears throat> it's... Like I say... It parts in this film, it, it can convey an emotion into you mm-hmm. like nobody's business. But yep. this is the first bit I remember that kind of, <gasps> kind of, oh my God, kind of uh, reaction to what I was seeing on yeah. it because it's well, you're seeing the culmination with what you've seen up till now. Yeah, you're seeing the culmination of what, like everything he's been doing has been doing on himself and it's all been very clinical and cold. And now we're actually seeing it in the application. And the application mm. is. It's yes. Horrific. Um, yeah. Also, I love there's a small detail here we get. Like, originally, when Rex was running around the car park, he crosses a crushed can of cola on the ground. And we actually realise that that was the soda that she ended up buying. Weirdly, and, I clocked that right at the time. Yeah. 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 I, like, I bet that. I can bet that. She's dropped them. 100% um, comes back. So we see he drives over it, and essentially, this is. This. And so he tells him this story. Right, so he's told Rex's story, mm-hmm. but he still hasn't told Rex what has happened to Saskia, and also the audience what happens to Saskia. We end up um, the kind of last, the final five minutes of this movie are they're parked in a in a park, and um, no, it's the same place, isn't it? Yeah, they're yep. parked at the the, the service the, station yep, the, thing, like, but obviously it's late at night, so it's yeah. now empty and pitch black. And um, Raymond brings out a cup of coffee and says, I want you to drink this coffee. And Rex is like, well, have you poisoned the coffee? He's like, nope, sleeping pills in the coffee. Um, I'll put you to sleep. And when you wake up, um, you will know what happened to Saskia. But you will know. And he says you will experience yes, you will what experience. she did. And of course, Rex is still like, did you rape her? Did you, is she alive? Is she dead? What happened? And all the rest. And Raymond does not waver on this one. He's like, you need to drink the coffee. Rex throws the coffee in his face. He's like, fuck yeah. you. I don't need to know. And by this point, Raymond's now showed him the keys. Yes. So this proves that he... That physical proof that he was the yeah. guy that took it. I'm, yeah. I'm the guy. And uh, Rex takes the keys off him, throws the coffee, and Raymond's like, because he's thought this through, he's like, right, fine, <laughs> you've got the keys, but what does that prove? 
Like, what happens? You go to the cops, I've found these keys. Could be anyone's keys. Uh, mm-hmm. But you've got these keys, and oh, it was this guy, Raymond, that I could have found these keys. You know, like, what does it, what does it actually prove? Out with, you know, you will never know what happened to her because I won't tell you. Like, if you walk away from here, you will never know. And Rex storms off, and Raymond gets in his car, turns the car on, but doesn't move. And then you see, essentially, like, Rex, like, psych himself up. He has a kind of mental breakdown, almost starts running about in the mud and the rain and stuff. Yeah. And then comes charging up to the car and just necks the coffee in a one. Yeah. He sits in the car and Raymond tells him, listen, within 10 minutes you'll be out and then you will experience what she experienced. And then... See, sorry, see, just before yep. we come into the big reveal at the end, yeah, yeah, the the abiding memory I think I will have of this film is that bit that you've just discussed there. So essentially, he's he's basically saying, "I am going to do to you yep. what I did to her, yep. and that's the only way you will find out. So the only way you're going to scratch that itch, yeah, here." Take this and drink it, and it will knock you out. Yeah. And then I'm going. You know, that's what he's saying. Oh, it's like he doesn't I, lie. Like I, I don't point does Raymond lie. I'm I'm sitting watching like, right, Well, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Because you know you blah me. I'm, I'm not a fucking moron. I'm yeah. not going to let you drug me and then kill me. Yeah. You know. But weirdly, the way that conversation goes and stuff yeah. like that, and what we have learned. About Rex's character and almost oh, great, great character development. You're yeah. like, yeah, I can see how that. It's happens. totally plausible. Totally mental. Plausible. Mental. It's totally. Like from a spectator's point of view, you're like, would I fuck? Right? Yeah. Oh, would I fuck? But the movie does such a great job of portraying Rex's obsession. Obsession. Yeah. More yeah. than anything else, it's his obsession with it that. Like, when he eventually does it, you know, everyone knows. I think on some level, Rex knows. Oh, this ain't going to be good. But this is, you know, this is what he has to do to scratch the itch that is going to be there forever. He realises it's going to consume his life forever if he doesn't do it. So Rex takes the coffee. And then Rex wakes up. Mm-hmm. Um, now, if you've watched the American remake... Uh, Kiefer Sutherland wakes up in a grave. He wakes up in a box, buried. And then Sandra Bullock shows up. Uh, no, it's the other way around. Is it the other way around? It's so long since... No, Sandra I, Bullock... I can't remember. I all. think Sandra Bullock shows up and rescues him. Yes, that's right. Sandra Bullock shows up somehow um, and manages to rescue him. She digs up the grave and rescues him and kills but, but Jim. is in the court. No, Bridges, Bridges is buried Kiefer Sutherland alive. Um, just like his girlfriend. And then... like Oh, no, sorry, it's Bridges. Oh, Bridges is the baddie. He's Raymond. Yes. Oh, right, He's fucking sorry. great. He's great as Raymond. Shows you how little I can yeah. remember of this film. He's brilliant as Raymond. He's, he does a really, really... He's got a really weird quirk about him, which I really like. Plus, Jeff Bridges up to that point did not play villain, so it was kind of a masterstroke making him the villain. Um, it's, it's really that part's really well done he plays that character really really well and kind of quirky but Bullock shows up and Bullock finds him 
finds the grave yeah. and digs them out and they kill Jeff Bridges and everyone's happily ever after. And guess what? He found out what happened to his girlfriend and now he has closure and now he can go home and have sex with Sandra Bullock. What a happy ending that movie is. Um, That's a good time for everyone. Everyone's, everyone, like, it's a win-win, Baz. Um, the original 88 movie isn't a win-win. And I no. imagine when the remake was proposed to an American studio, the first thing that was said is, well, that ending has to go. Yeah. You, um, you can almost hear the little American testicles attracting you know, this is like, stomach. Well, we can't yeah, do that. 100%. I mean, this is the same country that remade The Descent. Yeah. And, you know, she everything was happily ever after at the end of that movie. You're like, no, it's one of the best endings in horror history. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, like, I'm like, that, that, like, this is why I don't want, like, a remake of Jaws. See, at the end of, like, the remake of Jaws, the shark... And Roy Schneider go for a beer. Uh, it's yeah, like you know what I mean. Like, he nurses <laughs> you know, like... it back to health. <laughs> Bruce, you, you, you just you, you see them down at the boating pond. The kids are swimming with the shark, <laughs> like, catching a ride on it, yeah. spinning all that. It's like it's like that scene from Free Willy where it jumps over the top of the kid's head. And Elijah would scratch in his belly. <laughs> um, the original 1988 Vanishing doesn't have that ending because Rex does wake up in a coffin. Yeah. But, um, like, he ain't coming out that coffin, Baz. Oh. Yeah. Oh, it's ter- it's ter- th- this is terrifying, like, absolutely terrifying because the initial part you see, the first cut away from it, is, is Raymond shoveling dirt on top of a yeah. box. And then... Like we, because it's timed to perfection. Because he times things to perfection. Rex is coming too as the final shovels are going on. Because mm. you can hear the last of the dirt go on top of the coffin, and all he has is a lighter. Yeah. And that lighter, you like at first he screams, and he's doing all the shouting, but he realizes that's a fool's errand. And then what I love about this scene is the small attentions to detail that just make it shine. You start to see the colour of the flame start to change as the oxygen. Change, yeah. Yeah, it starts yeah. to get less and less. And ultimately, Rex is buried alive, which is what happened to Saskia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or did it? You, you never know. You can only assume because Raymond is a man of his word, this is what he fucking did. Um, yeah, it didn't enter my head that that's not what he did. I mean, yep. you're right in what you're saying. We don't know for death. You don't know, but... but what you're told of yes. the character of Raymond. This is what he would do. Yeah. And not only do we get this, but we then get, like, the end of this movie is Raymond playing happily families with his, oh, his two kids and his wife as they're fixing up the garden area and she's over watering two interestingly placed trees, mm-hmm. um, which you've got to think, that's some markers. Yeah. Uh, and Raymond is sitting kind of nonchalant not contemplating have, life yeah not only does he have his holiday home but he has a holiday home that he will be able to relive the fact he committed two of the most perfect crimes mm. as the camera pans round to the back of his vehicle where there is a newspaper talking about the bizarre mystery of the missing man who went missing some three years after his missing girl yeah the end <laughs> <laughs> that's the very depressing end to the vanishing. <laughs> Fucking love the end of this movie. Yeah. It is 
absolutely horrific. It's mm. at, it's not just because he gets buried alive. It's because there is absolutely no way this guy will ever get caught. Yeah, and he's never going to confess, and he's the sort of guy that never will confess, and he can, you know, he gets, he gets, he gets what he wants at the end of this movie because he can. You know what I mean? It's because he's 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 taking the time, the effort, the planning, and he's also picked the perfect victims. Um, and who would ever suspect? The worst thing that anyone will ever suspect Raymond of of doing is maybe cheating on his wife. Ah, uh, having an affair. Yeah. Which I mean, it's 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 a it's one of those endings where you kind of think you went there (laughs) yeah well i mean i I knew or i had at least had a very fair idea of what happened at the end of this film and i was still quite taken aback and quite shaken by it granted the whole being buried alive thing is a horrific (laughs) phobia of mine um but you know it it still had that impact Mm. one of the things i find quite interesting and i don't know my horror timelines the way you do but yeah i was thinking so 88 so yep. the kind of eight films in the 80s and if you're looking at all your kind of big slashery type films you always had a kind of final girl or somebody getting away yeah and this film I mean, i'm sure there are ones before it but it must be fairly early for the film that just has the very bleak the fuck no, you ending. Yeah. nobody gets out of this yeah the fuck ending. you ending is you know not many I mean? of them, not yeah. because like primarily, like the Hollywood structure doesn't like that. Yes, like the closest you'll get the the American version of this is the carry hand coming out at the end, or the Jason grabbing someone through a window, mm-hmm. or something where it's like, well, the killer's maybe still alive. Yeah, you know, it's, and, it's, and to be honest, that's done more just to make a fucking another movie. It's a hundred percent to set up another movie, and it's that one last scare. You know what I mean? That's mm. like it's, it's set up specifically for that. This is like, and the audience kind of expects it. And that's what makes this movie so subversive in a lot of respects is the audience expects, the American audience that watched The Vanishing, I'm sure expected something to happen. The closest yeah. that comes to a movie like this in terms of an ending where your jaw is like essentially scraping the floor, you got a lot more of these in British horror movies, actually. It's something like The Wicker Man. Like, yes. where you genuinely yeah. expect Edward Woodward to be saved. <laughs> like, like, I've said it before. Uh, Every time I watch that movie, I expect a helicopter or something to come over the hill and save him at the end, and mm-hmm. he burns alive while people are happy that he's burned alive. And guess what? Perfect crime. Yeah. Oh, he left the island. Like, <laughs> he's like, oh, you never saw him again. Um, like, it's the... And that movie comes, what, it's more than a decade older than this one. Um, mm-hmm. There is something... It's why Chronicle focuses on European horror cinema uh, like exclusively is I think there is a, a tone to what I class as old world horror which is European, that's where horror cinema started was, was in Europe um, I think there's a tone and almost a fearlessness to it that it's what's best for the story more than what's best for the audience. Yeah, like Alfred, so it's a lot, lot less about the box office. A hundred percent. Alfred Hitchcock once, like a famous Hitchcock quote, uh, specifically to do with with the uh, Psycho, 
um, when people were starting to get jittery, uh, like Hitchcock said, the audience must suffer. Uh, but like that was just that was just his take on it. Like, mm-hmm. like, like the the audience must be put through the ringer. Otherwise, like, what are we doing here? If we're making something that's a thriller or a horror or all the rest, we need them to be fully invested because if they're not fully invested, they're not connected to the characters. Like, if you're not connected to the mystery, if you're not as maybe not necessarily as obsessed, but you're not at the point where you yourself want to know what happened to Saskia mm-hmm. that ending doesn't work yeah you need to be you need to almost be in the box which is why you're deliberately in the box at the end mm-hmm. of this movie you need to be in the box with Rex to see this is where it ta- this is where it will take you you think you know you think you think with the best intentions you keeping her memory alive which is the best intentions even though he is doing it in an interesting way um that you know this is this is for her benefit it's keeping her memory alive but ultimately all it's doing um you know is on some level feeding rex's obsession to the point that when clear markers of danger are put up in front of him he pushes in fact that's the the rex quote when he takes the coffee is he like basically quotes back Raymond's jumping off the That's right. the balcony? You know, I like I shouldn't do it, but you know, I, I told myself I could drink this, so I've drank yeah. it. And with I, I love that about this. It's all this this story pays off everything it sets up, and I yeah. I love that. There's no loose ends at the end of this movie. I what the thing I find really interesting about it is there's a kind of a dichotomy mm. about the film and that uh, to me and, and this is just a personal opinion but yep. to me the, the the overriding theme in this film is the obsession destroying the man yes so rex is completely consumed not by the loss of his girlfriend yeah but by the not knowing what happened, the, the the lack of control over it. This thing happened to me, and I don't even know why, and I don't even really know what happened. And, and it peppers everything in his life. It destroys the relationship that he gets after it. It destroys himself. We see the interior of his flat at oh, one God, point, yeah. and it's like a police fucking case room kind of thing, yeah. you know? So that obsession has, has ruined his life to the point that he is pretty much happy just to die as long as he knows. As long as he you knows know, that, that That's where we get to then. So that, to me, is what this film is about. Yeah. Yet, weirdly, the character that is explored and developed is the character of Raymond. Yes, 100%. You, you see, you know, you get a couple of sort of flashback scenes that show you where it maybe started and... Yep. and introduces the sort of sociopath element to him and then you get this really quite detailed exploration of how he develops himself mm-hmm. as a killer so you know far more about Raymond yeah and you understand his character far better yet to me that's not really what the film is about and I find that quite weird yeah but it gives you there's so much to think about and I did find myself thinking about this film a lot yeah. after I watched it on both occasions. Yeah. Um, 
yeah, it, it, I, I can't think of another film where they've done something like that. You know, we're going to take the, the supporting side character and we'll tell you everything about him. Yeah. But the film's not really about him, it's about this. Well, yeah, you, <laughs> you know, imagine. What's the fact that Rex is an arsehole? Yeah, you, you feel <laughs> no empathy you, at all to him. Like, you imagine watching a movie like Seven, right? And getting a lot more of John Doe in that movie. A lot more yeah. of Spacey and all the rest. You see the after effect. You you actually, from his books and from the investigation, they fill out that character because that's what movies tend to do. It's the investigation that starts to piece out the character. You never spend time with a character. Mm. You never spend time with a killer. Like, a, a, a large amount of time with a killer because on some level that should ruin the mystique. Mm-hmm. It should make them less... Like, him with his family, humanising him, should make him a less terrifying killer. And it doesn't in this movie. Because no. the payoff... No. The payoff is, like, that end shot where you finally realise, oh, he... he, he clawed, There was a reason he was timing the chloroform. It was to get her back to the chateau long enough that he could put her in a box and bury her alive. Yeah. That is horrific. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That is... That's... Uh, that, that oh, uh, if anything, that humanising him, that kind of taking the rough edges off, that watching him bumble up again and again, we set up and he's all all the rest. You know, it just makes that ending even more powerful, because mm. you finally get you finally get to see the realization. He didn't rape her. He didn't chop her up into little bits or all the rest. All the things you you instantly yeah, think in your didn't brain. Didn't feed them to the kids or anything like that in a pie. Yeah, yeah, like all these things that you're sitting there thinking to yourself, like you mentioned it before about, it's something I espouse all the time, is like, don't show me. If the door closes and I hear screaming, don't show me what the screaming is because my yeah. brain goes to the worst possible thing. Like, yep. if you're thinking what the worst po- Rex is thinking what the worst possible thing is. And that mm. worst possible thing is rape. It's murder, it's butchering and all the rest. You know what it wasn't? Being buried alive. Yeah. And I'll tell you right now, that's fucking scarier. Mm-hmm. Much scarier. And even the audience, like the audience, the first time I saw this movie, I didn't know what the twist was. And I remember watching it and it finishing and just being like... What the fuck? Actually, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, just I, completely I, floored. I, I found myself... I, it was quite easy to see that having that effect on people, even though I didn't possibly get it that yeah. way because I kind of knew it was coming. But again, and I've had this with other films, but it just goes through my head, oh my God, what were people thinking when they seen that? Yeah. Like the te- <laughs> when I watched the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, yeah. that film floored me, but I yeah, thought, yeah. my God, what were people in the 70s thinking when they oh. seen that? Because I've seen a lot of muck before yeah. that, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and this film... I, I, I very vividly kind of thought at the end of it, 1988, and nobody knew this was coming. Yeah. There, there must just have been deathly silence in that cinema yeah. when it went into the credits. And that's what he wants. That's what, yeah. the, that's what the director wants. Um, some interesting stories uh, in the background. Apparently, the director was a dick on set and <laughs> actively, actively went out his way to pick fights with both leading men. So he could get the performances that he wanted. Like, just it was very antagonistic. There are stories of uh, the, the actor that plays Rex actually getting into physical altercations with the director, um, like on set. And apparently, the re- the relationship he had with the the actor that played Raymond, not great, not great mm-hmm. at all. Um, but he had a singular vision and kind of pushed him towards it. We obviously mentioned the the the, the Kubrick. 
uh, thing, which to me, I would have had that all over every poster. Stanley Kubrick thinks this is the yeah, this totally. is the most terrifying movie that he ever saw. Um, another one here, uh, a little bit of factoids, which once again adds to the, the elements here. The, the actor Rex was genuinely locked up in a real coffin which was buried under sandbags. Uh, so regardless of him kicking the structure above him or moving it wasn't going to move it would not budge uh, it was done deliberately to make it seem convincing um, yeah um, and that's, that's very uncool yeah well I, I think uncool. I'm sure I read something similar to do with the there's a similar technique done in that Ryan Reynolds movie Buried I've never brought myself to watch that yet. Buried's an uncomfortable watch, dude. Mm. It's a really uncomfortable... It's a great... Like, that was the first, maybe the first movie where I was like that. Ryan Reynolds can really act. Yeah. Like, like he's like, actually, like, because it's a serious fucking role and he, 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 he goes through about 12 different emotions in it and it's... Um, uh, one last bit of, of details here. Um, the novelist um, who ultimately adapted the screenplay... Uh, had based the story on a newspaper article that he accidentally read about a female tourist who disappeared from a bus trip after buying chewing gum at a gas station in France. The police, the police had searched for two nights without finding a trace of the girl. Ten years later, uh, the author did extensive research and found that the girl had actually turned up alive. Uh, and well, one day later, so one day later she was found. Mm -hmm. She had simply boarded the wrong bus. She like walked out into the wrong bus. It was all over papers and all the rest. Uh, the author uh, called her to thank her for providing him with the inspiration behind the story. Um, <laughs> which I kind of, I kind of love that as well. Um, yeah, I, I've I've said it many times before. I think this is a bit like when, when we talk about like horror thrillers. I don't see this movie as an out-and-out -out horror. I think it's kind of more... It's in line with if I was talking about a, a kind of Hitchcockian thriller. It can exist in that bubble where it definitely, definitely imparts more than sticks a toe in the horror pool. But primarily mm. it's a thriller. It's a, it's a mystery thriller. You're kind of following it through. Um, it's just that the ending ends in a horrific place for sure. But I think this... It's about as good as it gets in that genre. I think this is genuinely top tier for the reasons we mentioned before. It takes an unusual position in the narrative with the time jumping, but mm -hmm. that actually works to its credit. Um, I think the performances are weirdly grounded and realistic in a way that you wouldn't expect. I think it sticks the landing unlike very few films I've ever seen where it just nails that ending to the point where you're just like, kind of like, I'm going to need an hour to think about this um, and try and connect with humanity. But above all else, it's incredibly well written. And like we mentioned before, everything in this movie, like everything in this movie pays off from Crush Coke cans to conversations about uh, key rings, key rings. <laughs> to you know altercations and tunnels to specific stories and flashbacks of of Raymond as a kid. All these things lay out a very clear path as to why and how you end up at the end of this movie. And what I love about it is it's inevitable. From the start of this movie, it's always going to end up in that one place because obsession, very much like Moby Dick, um, obsession is always going to take you to that place. 
Um, and you are just you are along for the ride. And I think that as uh, you know, it's, it's the the sad thing about it is it had that American remake, which I what's it is not. It's not a terrible movie. I just, I just like, why would you want that? Why would you go out for a McDonald's when you can have a nice steak? Mm. Um, and that's that's where that's literally where it is the McDonald's version of of you know you know of the original, The Vanishing. More people will have seen the remake easily yeah. than will have seen the original, and that that makes me sad because I I genuinely think it's a movie which is just. From a country we don't always associate with, with a lot of great like horror thrillers, it's just a different. It, it's just operates on a different level. Yeah, um, and I mean, there's no getting by the fact that there's a large part, of, and I'm not just saying it's American film going audience because I think this country's as bad as well. Yeah, but it's a foreign language film. Yeah, it just it puts people off, and I was as guilty as anybody for that. I mean, I've watch more foreign language films now since I started doing the shows with you yeah. than I ever did in the 30 odd years previous to that um, and it's a shame that people do that because it, it, they're just one of the things I've never mentioned it's like the, the, there were things in this film that annoyed me and a, a lot of it was these there was little oddities in the film just weird little things that would only happen in a European horror film. Yeah. And you're like, there's a, a, a soundtrack, like one, the musical soundtrack is god awful. Yeah, right? oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And all I could, all I could think about was Bergerac. <laughs> now, for anybody that doesn't know, Bergerac is a, a UK kind of police detective TV show, but it was set in the Channel Islands, um, which... <laughs> Is about as near to France as you can get while remaining part of the United Kingdom. (laughs) So there's a weird kind of the music just reminded me that particular at the end. Yeah, there's a kind of it's horrifically twee. There is an on-running. It's not really a soundtrack, like overdub thing of of the Tour de France. Yes, which I'm sure has some phenomenal symbolism to it. And I'm I like, think... why did they? It does help you. It helped me slightly figure out the timeline. That, I think that's what it's there for. I think it's. I think it's a but timeline. Really, unless thing. you're a cycling fan. <laughs> I think. I think it's. You know what? I think it is. I think it's the director, like basically sitting there saying, "How do I?" You know, like if this was an American movie, right? It would be. You know, like the JFK assassination or uh, the exit in Vietnam, or something like that. you know, or, so, or, or some pivotal thing. I think in the case of this one, they're like, Tour de France happens, doesn't it? <laughs> we'll just go with that. Um, so you're right, yeah. Yeah, so, so there's just stuff like that that annoyed me about the film, uh-huh. that annoys me about really all of these kind of Europeans. It, I, whether it was maybe just the, the, the French kind of language leading into Belgium, the, the man uh, bites dog yes. was always kicking about in the yes. back of my head. But I think it was more to do with this. There is an, it's much more subtle, I think, but there's an oddly dark humour at parts in this film. And Definitely. man bites dog, it reminded me a bit of that. Also reminded me a little bit of Henry, sort of a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Just, I think, in the way you see the psyche of the killer develop. Yep. 
you know, and it, it, it's different because Henry's much more the traditional, you know, happens to kill somebody and then, you know, it moves on and you see him kind of refining his craft, whereas the character of Raymond, it, it's much more this, I am going to test everything to the nth degree so that when I do this, but it was that idea of watching him grow as a killer, yeah. almost. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me a wee bit of Henry as well. Um, yeah, and like I say, I mean, we've been talking now for nearly an hour and a half, I think, about this yeah. film. Yeah. Um, it, I wouldn't say The Vanishing is the best film I have ever seen. Did mm-hmm. I enjoy it? Yes, I, I most certainly did. Um, I thought about it a lot in an enjoyable way, not that it's stuck in my head and annoying the crap out of me. I'm yep, just like, yep, you know, yep. that, oh, why? I've never thought about that. I've learned more through my discussions here with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just just a, a very enjoyable film. I don't think I'm going to watch this once a year. No, no, I, mean, I, I hadn't means. seen it in years. We were speaking yeah. about that. I actually was so excited when you picked it because I was mm. like, I cannot remember the last time I watched this movie. Yeah. So. But I am, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very glad that we did pick it. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I'm glad that I picked it for the show rather than just having watched it myself because it kind of, sometimes when I know I'm coming on to talk about it, it forces me to think about things a bit more mm-hmm. rather than just let the film kind of wash by me. And when you dig into this film, there is an awful lot there. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would certainly, I would recommend this hands down. Um, I wouldn't hesitate to recommend this to somebody. Um, especially if they've not seen the remake or know anything about it, because yeah. it's like uh, I, I think I would have loved to have seen that just fresh off the boat, as it yeah. were. Do you know what I mean? Because I'd imagine it's a slap in the face when you get to the end. Yeah, it's like like we mentioned it before. There are certain movies that, and they tend to be European. America went down the road for for a while there, but there are certain movies that just kind of feel. Like at the end are just like fearless, like yeah, fearless a bit special. Movies. Um, I, like I was thinking when we were talking, like a movie like Funny Games, for example, has a fearless uh-huh. ending. Like I feel it's almost it has like it, it cannot not be on some level and you know inspired from The Vanishing. I think like mm-hmm. I, I just I can't I cannot believe that Haneke hadn't seen this movie before and been like yeah. That. Because there's a, there's a there's a bleakness to it um, that I think it shares a weird DNA. Also, humour as well. That's another movie that is weirdly comedic when it probably shouldn't be. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I am like I, I could not be more overjoyed that you you've, you've ticked this one off the list. That I got a chance to check it back out. This is what Chronicles about. It's about sitting down, finding like like interesting discussion points and in great movies and in, in European cinema. And kind of delving in as to why the the they have the staying power, and some directors just have that. You know, some directors are like the previous episode with our big buddy Scott. We sat down and we did Argento. Argento yeah. has a movie coming out this year. You know what I mean? He's like he's still he looms he looms over um, yeah. in a great way. You know, in the case of this one here, like the the director himself is not a guy who we like talk about that much although he had a very active career was was busy right up until what 2012 um 
I, but had been making, like, had been involved with documentaries and all the rest from 61. So this guy had a, a right. long career. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. get the feeling, the movie that most people spoke about, you know, after, after he, you know, finished making movies and passed on in uh, 2014, is most likely The Vanishing. Yeah. You know, is that is that movie which I like? I don't. I've not seen all these movies. I doubt it's his best movie, but it's the one where it dares the audience at the end, and those are the ones that you know are the are the, the movies that are interesting to talk about. So it's not a bad legacy to leave behind. Hundred percent. Like that that movie. You know, like to to have a a movie that does that sort of thing um, and transcends that can be spoken about for decades and decades to come. It makes you kind of immortal. Um, it's weird. Like that's that's its you know that's its legacy. Um, Baz, for the listeners out there, they will be no doubt saying this guy is great. I need to hear more of him. And uh, you obviously do a lot of stuff on podcasts under the stairs with your your various various different outlets. Now we have one which is called Baz's Backdoor Cinema, which is basically you get to pick whatever you want to discuss. And most recently we had a, a phenomenal conversation, actually one of my favourite recordings we've ever done, um, on a two-part documentary that the BBC put out on Bible John. Yeah. Please go and check that out. Uh, but you also have Baz V Horror. The reason I mentioned Baz V Horror, even though we kind of put it to bed, put it to bed, it occasionally resurrects itself in the form of we discussed a franchise a while ago oh wait one second there's a new installment of that franchise let's dust off the old mics let's get back into it uh, you will be returning for a very special episode of uh, Baz v Horror but it's a specific kind of Baz v Horror one could say it's Baz v Leatherface well <laughs> let the listeners know what, uh, what is coming up real soon yeah, so obviously a number of years back, um, <laughs> we did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise. Loved every second of um, So for anybody that's not listened to Baz B Horror, um, this was my introduction to horror films that I did with Duncan. Yep. Um, and we revisited a lot of the great classic kind of franchises. And, and Texas Chainsaw Massacre was one of the later ones that we did. Um, yes. If memory serves, I think we've done Friday the 13th, Freddy, yeah, we've Halloween, done Nightmare on Elm Street. all before I that. I want yeah. to say we've done another one before we did. We may have done Halloween before we did yeah. uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So we did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, which, as everybody knows, is probably a wildly fluctuating series <laughs> of films. Although I still maintain, I think... The, the first one is certainly of all the franchise horror is my favourite one by far. I don't think you're wrong on that one. Yeah. I think it was probably my favourite horror film of all time, I think. Yeah, um, if, if I'm being honest. Yes, um, and as anybody with a passing interest in horror will know, Netflix have just released a new Texas Chainsaw Massacre Direct one. Direct sequel to, to the original. Yeah. Where have we had that before? I mean, we've done this a few Let, times. Let's um, not throw stones. Um, yeah. So we will be doing an episode where I will... Be, nowadays, I tend not to do the full comedic reviews when we're doing uh, reviews of films, but I, I fully intend to do it. So this will be a, a bookend to Baz V Horror. But something I thought about just recently, uh-uh. did we ever do the same treatment for Leatherface. Oh, shit. Because 
we you know what I'm like as the completist, so I think oh, we may have to do two shit. episodes. Yeah, we've not done Leatherface. We will need to yeah, we will we'll need to do Leatherface. So and we're gonna have Texas. to do two Baz V Horrors. Oh shit. I had not thought of that. I had not thought of that. Yeah, we never we never we never did Leatherface, so um, no, which means we, we, I get there, to was, watch. there was talk at one time of, yeah. of doing a show that picked up all of the kind of newer movies yeah. from these, and we never ever got around to doing that. No, because that means and we I have to watch two face... paranormal activity movies that I don't want to yeah. watch as well. So, so, but we will. Baz will be revisiting the Texas Chainsaw Massacre to pick up the fly balls, as it were. Yeah. Um, and we'll be doing it in the old traditional Baz v horror style. Yeah. Is it, so, is, is it also maybe safe to say, not that I want to continue adding homework to the list of things we have to do, um, we are away next week to see yes. the new Ty West horror movie, X. A24, do a porno. Baz is there. I'm in, I'm in 100%. And then we got I'm the in. news that came out this week, which is basically Ty West has filmed, completely shot and finished a prequel to the movie already. Fully backed, by, fully backed by A24. So that prequel is already shot. So I would imagine will be coming maybe next year. Um, so, But we're we are going to see X, X next Thursday, I believe. Yeah. So a week, a week today. Want to talk about it? Yeah, I think we could probably do that. Let's do a wee Baz's Backdoor Cinema. <laughs> Baz's Backdoor Cinema for that as well. Baz, I, c- I can't stress how much fun that I've had um, doing this is always a blast chatting to you um, we are going to take a very short break though and when we return I'm concluding this episode of Chronicle right after this and you have been listening to Chronicle Podcast this has been season 4 episode number 4 a massive thanks to the Baz from Podcast Under the Stairs joining me to discuss 1988's The Vanishing the Baz is currently working on a series of shows for podcasts under the stairs called Bazzy's Backdoor Cinema and a new episode is forthcoming looking at Ty West's brand new horror movie, X. That episode will be dropping for you on the main feed coming tomorrow. It was a blast to record with him on this one. In fact, it's a blast to record with him any chance I get. In terms of where we're going next for Chronicle Podcast, well, always moving forward, never looking backwards. Unless it's back in time at more European horror movies. I'll be joined with another guest, another movie to discuss next month for you. And it's an exciting one as we welcome back to the recording waves of the Teapots Collective of our good friend Jeff Lawn, and he's got a doozy it's a first time watch for me which makes me very excited because it'll be the first first time watch on this season of Chronicle as always please check out and support the other shows on the Teapots Collective over there you can get shows like Opera Omnia which is about to return next month Doing the Nasty which continues its look at the section 3 movies on the video nasties list joined for the entire series with Mark Ball and then if you've got time to squeeze it in a little bit of where to begin with in season 3 we're looking at a little bit of film noir and neo noir movies for your consideration. That series is going to be a ton of fun because we're looking at movies that date way back, way, way, way back in the Wayback Machine for Hollywood, right up 
to some indie gems and stone cold classics. So again on the ground floor we are about to drop episode number three next month and you can take part in that entire series by watching the movies and submitting in your reviews for consideration on the episode. As always, the podcast Under the Stairs, the flagship show for everything I do, is powering on with a plethora of different endeavours to keep you interested in horror cinema as we know it. Chronicle Podcast is returning, like I say, next month with more European horror cinema movies to discuss. However, if you want to take part, please reach out and let me know. I'm always looking for ideas for guests, so if you've got a podcast out there, you want to pick a European horror movie we haven't discussed on this show, then do it. Reach out and touch me by email. Please do it by email. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, it's a pleasure chatting to you. Please, 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 please take care of yourselves out there, whichever small part of the world you're occupying. And remember what Plutarch said about curiosity. He said, the mind is not a vessel to be filled, but a fire to be kindled. You're listening to Chronicle Podcast, an almanac of old world horrors. Until the next time. Ignition. T minus 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, 0. Lift off.